episode 97 of Crime Rising, and we'll skip Infamous Death. Oh, this is Steph, and I am very much on a um, horror train to looking at everything that we've done so far with Common Rider Hibiki and having to share my own worst nightmare. So, yeah, I'm very stoked for this episode. Ooh, that is exciting, but also a little disheartening, honestly. Well, what can you do? I'm just trying to speak my truth there. Speak that truth. And yeah, uh, this is a uh, part six of our look at Comrade Hibiki, which means we're looking at episodes 37 through 42. Uh, and that also means that next time, episodes 43 through uh, 48, will be the very end of that whole series. Then we'll be onward towards our next season. But right now, Steph, uh, it's been a long reality to be in these past few weeks. And I'm trying to think if there's anything worth talking about from that. Just a lot going on. Huh. There's so much going on. Um, and I have a lot of what I feel like would be kind of insignificant points to hit on. Um, mm-hmm. The hard part for me has been I know that the series is kind of coming to its inevitable close. And this has been something that has been so significant to me that it's very difficult to kind of look at the show the way that it's going now and say, oh, this is how we're ending it. When I kind of started out the series feeling like there was a lot more options for it. So this is, I feel like, going to be a very interesting discussion between us. Yeah, no. Like this has been such a roller coaster, and then like I think um that's been the case in this show because I think it's so interesting to well of course I would say as a person who MCs a lot of this stuff uh is the most like would think it's interesting but, like to look at something that's so large to spend weeks and months and like sometimes like a whole year like looking at something um and all of its flaws and foibles and like it's compromises it's strange like sometimes we see something and it is complete and you see it as it was meant to be and you feel like it translated well and sometimes like we we just finished Comrade saber which was a show that we really had problems with on the raywa cast mm-hmm. and like it's just so disheartening because some of the highest highs i've had um in common rider as far as like the last couple of years have been like watching Hibiki. And also some of the lowest lows. I feel like that's part of the issue for me. And I remember when we were um, discussing Kuga seriously, we had a um, a guest on that had said that, you know, if you're discussing the common writers as a series, that Kuga probably wasn't really the best representation of that. And after watching Hibiki, which I will fully admit I am not a common writer expert expert by any like stretch of the imagination. I have watched what I've watched and I have listened to um Kip and Senpai like break down the episodes. I'm not by any means an expert in this genre, but it has been difficult for me to kind of see 
from the beginning, what started out is a very, what I felt was promising franchise and kind of see it distilled into these very like common tropes of what was going on with um, like kind of superhero stories in general. Um, That was hard for me because I had grown such an attachment to this show. So I'm, I'm very interested to kind of see like what your notes were and kind of, like feel where you were coming from as someone who has a lot more experience with uh, this entire like series. It's been so damn swingy. Like, and like I knew for years, just like being around other people that like Kamen Rider online that like people talked about the first 29 episodes and the last like 19 episodes as if they're different series. Like, Oh, this is like one of the best. And this is one of the worst. And like, I don't want to exactly prescribe to that. Like, especially because, I feel like the first episode or so that we did looking at um, the post shift Hibiki, we were actually kind of positive, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like um, we actually liked the way they handled stuff last time with like Asma's dad. We liked um, how they had like that dude show up that spake police. And there was like another like thing or two that we liked, but it was like clear it was changing. But like it wasn't until now where I was like, oh, I'm seeing where people had their larger issues with it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I will say, um, I I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to jump the shark, whatever you want to call it. But um, because 42 was kind of where we cut it off for this, um, I'm mm-hmm. going to say that you are an absolute fucking monster, and I cannot believe that you left me on that cliffhanger and I have to wait until our next recording to be able to watch and see what happens because I know that there are a lot of cheesy values that start to come up in this series up to Mm -hmm. this point, but my God, like there is so much to unpack with this series of episodes that we just watched. It is insane that people like dedicated themselves to this series it's just crazy to me yeah i tried really hard without spoiling it for myself past like the six or seven episodes i watched to like segment the show up good but i think we've been lucky in that it's always on something that is fun to leave on but still that even here it's like fun in a bad way it's like not haha fun it's just like funny and and if anybody ever asked me to explain it that's exactly what i'd say like it's fun because it's exactly where, like, if I was in your position, that would have been where I kind of placed things and where I um, tried to get the way that we were watching the episodes to a point that you could get to a natural kind of, like, ending with them. But on the other hand, as someone who is a very big fan of one of the major players in that, like, God damn that was like that was harsh i mean and i think that that's where you want to be with shows though you want to be in a place where you're like still asking questions and trying to figure out what's going on like that's a great place to have a show be yeah and this show just so much but i um i can at least confirm that none of the shows that we have in our semifinals for next season are that swingy like, I know that having watched three of them, 
that there's a general consistency and even like there's weirdness but like also just nothing is gonna jerk you around the same way i'll say awesome but um we should talk about these episodes first um so like um in the raywa cast with me and senpai um we're changing our format up a little bit uh so uh first we're going to talk about the first two episodes all right, so start episode 37. The fight from last time ends with the Makamo escaping. Akira gets blasted away, and downriver she's found by Shuki, who talks to her about what it means to be a like rare woman Ani, what it means to have like hate in your heart and have like your like family killed by the Makamo. Um, and basically like mentoring her, talking to her more than we've like really seen about stuff, but also, you know, um Shuki is then um, approached by the scientist parents, the ones that have been doing the weird experiments, who say that there's a darkness in her heart and uh, she's closer to Makamo the human. She fights them briefly. Um, and then we um, hear from the main group that the heads in Yoshino have ordered an Ani purification, uh, which is, as Shuki thought, where Ibuki has to like take her out for being rogue uh we had a flashback then to her shooting through zanki into the natsuko's mouth and that's why she was forced out for um potentially like sacrificing her um apprentice and also wiley he has that wound um karaya tells asamu that um he's going to become kanani and his apprentice akira talks with Hibuki about um, hatred. Hibuki tries to get Hibuki to support him on the purification, but cannot. Um, and then Zenki and Sh- Shuki talk, but she does not like stop her goals. Um, then Akira asks to be Shuki's apprentice. Um, they get approached by Hibuki, um, and Akira won't come to him. Um, the other of the two experimental super kids, like the brother, I guess, matures and becomes like much like darker and more dangerous during this. Um, then the Natsugu attacks uh, where Shuki is, um, and Zenki joins the fight to stop Kakira being sacrificed to like set up like another like shot in the mouth, um, and then. Shuki gets like put in the mouth and uh, she shoots through herself in order to take out the Natsugu and dies. Actually missed and only maimed him. She gets covered in flowers to avoid being seen in death before getting old and dying. Here cries on park bench. And yeah, this one's like the end of an arc. There's a lot going on here. And one note I had was it was weird making this about Zenki. I think that the hard part um, definitely was how much they focused on Zanki because there was so much with Akira that they could have, like, put a major focus on. And, like, I mean, between her and Shuki, they could have had a very strong arc within themselves. And I think that that probably, like with this new production was my biggest gripe 
was just the fact that that could have been something that spanned out over several episodes, like easily, and had a very interesting plot line. But they decided that, nope, this is it. This is all for them. And yeah, I don't know. It just it felt like there was almost kind of like this very vast incompleteness to it. Like there was so much more they could have done with that. There were so many ways they could have played with that. But it was almost like at that point they were kind of looking for an excuse to write a cure off. And it was I don't know. It just it it felt like it it could have been bigger and kind of like more respectful than it actually was. I um mentioned before when we switch the team making the show that um the two characters that uh lose their powers to, to the arm saber um Denki and I think Shoki were going to be like mainstays of the cast originally and they had like whole stuff written out but but then they're all, only in like one or two guest spots that's what Shuki feels like cuz either that or there's just some they wanted to use a bunch of their lore, but she just feels like such a character that was like made to be important to the lore and the end game and the situation of the show. Like we never knew before, like these episodes that there were certain things like, Oh, like Kabuki's part of the head family and has to like kill other Ani if they act up or like, right. Right. It's like, okay, like this seems like maybe this should have been <clears throat> important. This feels like this should have taken time, and just she's the only she's the only female Ani that we see. Mm-hmm. Like Akira never becomes like a sanctioned member of that society, which is another thing that I had a major issue with. Because I mean, I get that Osmo is supposed to be like the like main character, like that's the dude you're supposed to follow. This that, and the other. Yeah, But Akira, like, I mean, she had always had her shit together. She had always been the one that if anybody needs someone they could rely on, like, she was that person. But to, I don't know, it honestly kind of felt like a cop-out for them at this point to just be like, well, she doesn't want to be an Ani. What? Like, this is quite literally what she has devoted her life to to this point. Like, I understand, like she kind of had like some mental issues with Shuki and, you know, Ibuki and kind of trying to like figure out where she fit into that world. But for her to just suddenly be like, well, no, I'm not even going to be a superhero. That just felt like the worst kind of like sitcom cop out. I, I don't know. I still have issues with that. It doesn't feel right in this world. I can't believe how much the story of Akira and Shuki, the only time we see, female Ani interact or engage with ends up being about Zanki and like and like Kibuki. Like, you know? Like, yeah. Akira should have been she was always treated in the first half of the show, I guess. The first chunk of the show, I guess, like an important character. Once she was introduced, it was like, oh, she is somebody who is a peer. She is the like one of the kids going through this. She's one of the people who's engaged in this world. And she's important, and it does feel like they tr- still try and do that a little bit here, but like it doesn't feel like there's that same amount of respect for her arc. But also, they do kind of stop respecting the arc of like Asuma too, where it's like, oh, and also fuck his arc. We're gonna put him here, you know? 
Right. I don't know. Um, and I believe that. And that's disappointing because one of the things that was so like charming about Asmo as a character was the fact that he was willing to be kind. He was willing to be humble. And then all of a sudden you pit him up against this like out of nowhere guy who is being very competitive with him. And you try to tra- change him to a different person. And it's just, it doesn't feel like collective within the entire universe. And I don't know. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of things about kind of the way they tried to change all of these character arcs that I had a major issue with. And that's one of them. And also just like to the point of the character, at least at the point in the arc that we saw, and I don't really see how it would have transitioned to something else, but like maybe it would have, but like, was that, like if a copywriter is like somebody who's like corrupted by evil and power, he's not. He is a boy to that man. He is an innocent to that corruption, like a light to that dark. Like he is somebody who is not burdened by power, but like not corrupted by darkness. Like that was kind of his thing. And like that was kind of the arc. So like it's Right. And not only that, but I mean like if you look back on the series, he as I feel like I said before in our last episode, he quote unquote beat his dad by being able to make yeah. that doghouse. Like to him, that was the pinnacle. That was all he wanted out of life was to just be able to do this one simple thing that even his dad couldn't do. He did it. That was great. Yeah. He, yeah and he's not looking for like worldwide acclaim. He's not looking to be the next like, big thing and i think that that's one of those things that very much parallels like how much he admires habiki because habiki is the same way like he doesn't want grand things he just wants to do his shit and then go on with his life and i think that trying very hard to like kind of put him on the same spectrum as like kiria and like all his emo phases it's not a fair thing to do because they're in no way similar to each other. So it's a, it's a very weird ground to walk for the series producers on this, I think. And like, I think there's something even in those early second production episodes in that building too. Like the only other building that we see is like, we see Hibiki going into nature to a tree to build a new like drumstick to to borrow power and to like keeping hibiki we see the dad who we don't know what he's using where he is all we know is it's like a big job site and then like he like collapses and then like we see like asabu was like oh maybe i'm not going out into nature but i'm still like my creation is something that is like important and small and like intimate and like it's like just such a great character moment and i could still see them getting asumu depending on how it ends but i'm not hopeful and like even like karai is a character where i'm like i liked him early on and maybe he might actually have like a complete arc because it's been this way the whole time and like it like what he learns but Mm -hmm. it just sucks like not knowing like what could have been for someone like moses cast honestly yeah and i get that honestly I feel like with Osamu, if 
what's the best way to phrase this? He actually did learn quite a lot. Like, if you watch the episodes, like, we have up to the point that we have, like, he had a very good reason to, like, kind of go into the forest and, and try some meditation and try to, like, figure out where he was in life. The problem is, um, Carriot, he never gets that. Like, there's reasons up until the very last moment, at least until where we've watched, to feel like he's a dick. Like, there isn't a redeeming quality about him. So I think that's kind of the hard part that, like, we've gotten to a point in this series where they're expecting you to rely a lot on faith. And you can either do that or you don't. But, I mean, you're holding a lot on your shoulders. You just have to kind of expect that the producers know what they're going to do. And, I mean, whether you actually It's someone else's faith. Too, you know yeah like, absolutely it's the other team's faith um something i really want to highlight though is that um shuki so much feels like part and parcel with trying to parallel parts of the movie like the ancient magic and like the ancient ani and also like the ani that has the connection more deeply to the makamo and like trying to be like recruited by them and it just feels like it's totally wasted and not explored like she should have been in this show for like much longer. One of my biggest gripes, actually, and I made a note about this, was the fact that Shuki honestly could have had a much better storyline. And it's not just the fact that, you know, she's a powerful Oni, but part of that is she can do things that I haven't seen any of these other guys do. Yeah. Like, especially with the flowers and like making him making them into these very tangential things that she can use like on her journey like these are all things that should be explored these are things that people should be looking at but because she was ousted she doesn't ever really get a real chance to kind of like put a storyline down on and i felt the same thing about you know, her and Akira asking to be her apprentice. I feel like there were so many things about that that could have been explored. There were so many things about that that they could have had storylines playing off of, but, you know, it is what it is. But that's just something that I feel like was very much a missed opportunity. I said it last time, too, and, like, I hated that, like, Zanki's I can't stand on this leg when I'm transformed turns into I in trouble and I might die if I transform, but I'm perfectly fine and I'm strong and I'm cool. Like he went into like from, Oh, I am maimed to, Oh, I am. I have the, I might die disease, but I'm still cool, which is such a dumb way to take the character. I think just let him be somebody who's like, besides my like trick knee, I'm, and live a normal life besides like doing something that like is like load bearing i'm good and like having to sit with that like having him be like the injured athlete or whatever like you know like that's so much more interesting and like the show was like doing fine with the character and just like i just hate that shift to him like like just having so much more screen time right now no and i get it and i'm probably the same way like i'm a huge zanky fan so the fact that they suddenly gave him this role where he felt and acted like he was completely fucking helpless, like that was 
difficult to deal with as someone who wanted him to finally like step up and be the Oni that you know we always knew he could be but you know here he is acting like he can't take a step without having some kind of guidance and it was just like what are we doing like what is happening right now he was sure but he was like also he was wounded in a way where he couldn't do stuff he was sure of like what to do just uh let's talk about the next episode actually um the 38 broken on geki um he was anxious as he gets cut from a team camp for the band he and mochi get followed to the store where midori decides to help have train to foster confidence um he's at peace but gets interrupted by a man being attacked by Hidu Makamo. Um, Hippie fights that Makamo, but it can cancel the sound of the arm saber. Um, no one shows up at the camp, but Karaya is trying to brown nose with uh, Mochi thinking um, that the person on the phone is Midoriya's husband. Um, Buki and Midori uh, like talk about here being away, and Buki, um, Gold's Raya for being rude when he says Akira is the wrong type to to uh, succeed as an Ani. Um, Arm Tipki and then the, the three Ani get beaten badly by this Ani as Makamo. Um, Kasumu has trouble and panics um, before Hibiki shows up. Kasumi tells Buki he doesn't understand setbacks. He's like, he's always been actually talented. Hibiki uh, describes being a himbo to Asimo as a way to regain your rhythm by emptying your head. Um, then Zeki and Ibuki talk about being a master as Kodoroki uh, gets jealous. Um, also during this, Zeki says that he and Kodoroki are jocks, so it's easier. Um, and then there's a lot of Stuff on like a bookie being the hair, and yeah, um, before uh, he gets punched by Zanki and told that he, he is still a teacher. Uh, then we see progress in the training for for Asimu, um, and then Zanki uh, does not punch Hodoroki, makes him get depressed, um, and then the arm saber gets stolen back at the camp as. Hibiki tries to fight that. Or no, sorry. Um, then, while Hibiki's fighting the new Makamo, it's revealed that when the arms paper got stolen, that uh, the power to uh, block the purifying sound got created. Uh, and yeah. And then uh, Midori had, also been, had dragged away while he is called a marshmallow boy. And Hibiki's left bleeding by a fire. Yeah, this is uh, the start of an arc. It's a little disjointed, but just drama. <laughs> Zanki drama. Zanki's part of drama, drama. Punches Ibuki. Too much drama lately. <laughs> More than there was, you know? I'm going to say, um, very first follow-up, that um, I do appreciate Midori deciding that she is going to rip off that lab coat and teach Osmo his rhythms that, ooh, as a woman who loves women, perfect. That was just 100% love it. Um, 
But I will also say, like, Zanky was that totally ridiculous, I'm going to punch you in the face, but not you in the face. Very soap opera moves. Not entirely sure I am with that yet. Yeah, I think um, I'll go to your first point, actually, because sometimes I try to describe to Senpai, hey, um, I definitely noticed that some of the woman-loving women love this character. <laughs> and like be like this reason but uh just and that second point yeah just i just it it sucks like they reprioritize characters and zanki was never meant to hold this way just let me have Ostomu's mom she could date zanki it's fine whatever just like go for it i don't know really interesting but just i just yeah i think that like the the mock move that can block sound though is really cool and matches the like progression that the show ha- had previously established. It just kind of happens here though, and does not end up feeling like this two episode arc maybe like felt the most like the old show, but still like had a lot of like weird problems and stuff. And like I don't know. Um, I do also think that I wish they would more openly, sh- more openly shun Karaya and be like, "Hey, you piece of shit, get out of here! <laughs> like, what are you doing?" yeah i'm with you on that um i think one of my favorite parts i mean not to say that she didn't but midori fucking killed it in the storyline but one of my favorite parts from um 38 in particular was her doing that like fucking jackknife kick (laughs) to uh the monster and just being like fuck you Granted, I'm like I know they all got captured otherwise, but just the fact that she was willing to like take that on and be one hundred percent part of it loved her for that. Yeah, um, she's maybe the only character where, for the most part, like I'm like, oh, you haven't really been messed with. Uh, she kind of seems consistent. Like, besides maybe like a little bit more ship injected into her and Hibiki that maybe wasn't there but even then like it's not too bad compared to some of the other like let's do four episodes of drama about why Zanki wouldn't just talk to Todoroki and makes him want to be punched exactly yeah yeah but no I mean like she legitimately came to a point where she was like I'm not dealing with this shit anymore and like straight up kick the dude in the face like uh, yeah she's she's kick ass she's trying to do her thing regardless i don't know why but the makabo just don't have any threat anymore yeah i was in the same boat i actually wrote a note that it was like what the fuck is up with these monsters like none of them are interesting up to this point and i felt that way like for the first three or four episodes like i was like what is like I don't care about any of them. Like, there's nothing about them that feels dangerous to me. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, just let's get to the next part by going to our mid thing, actually, because um, the next episode, like, ends this arc. But before that, um, we need t- to do some book club. And uh, our list has been brought down finally to four, four options. And we need to break it down to two today. Which is exciting. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so <clears throat> our list down from 22 to 4, our four options are Comrade Kiva, Comrade Den O, Ikonin Sentai Akiba Ranger, 
and then Garo, the original 2005 series. So my thought process here to help pick our top two are for you to ask me um, or to talk about the main characters in the show without spoilers, like a vague kind of thought. So my question for you, Steph, is what show do you want to talk about the main cast of that show for? Okay, so this is a tough one because I honestly have enjoyed every time that you've put me onto a common writer series, and um, there's a part of me that very much wants to go with parody of Sentai just for the simple fact that I have enjoyed our common writer series so much, but I'm really, really leaning to the Garo just because of the Alice in Wonderland vibes. Um, as far as the other two, I definitely can see. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I definitely can see merits in them, but I don't know. There's just something about Garo that's really kind of trying to pull me in here. Okay. So you want me to tell you about the main characters of Garo? Yes, please. Okay. So this is the only show of these four that I haven't finished. I've tried a couple times. Um, so I have a little less detail here. But, but basically, um, Garo is a little bit like The Witcher and like um, Cobb Rider Kibiki in that there are knights. There are Makai knights, which is just like roughly like a magical knight. Mm-hmm. And uh, the there are two main characters. For this. One is... Uh, her name is her name is Ikaru. Uh, she is a she's a struggling artist in the city who's trying to get her art featured. She is also um, continually having memories about a like children's book that she has that features a golden knight. Um, Hoga Hoga Sejima is a Makai knight and the uh, successor to the title of Garo the Golden Knight. So basically, like Garo has like a big lion armor that's like gold and uh can only be donned for 99 seconds at a oh, time. Wow. They fight uh horrors which are monsters that are, are like based on like human greed and desire. There's like um I think like one of the first ones is like this painting that's like a lady that's like all white that she has like purple nipples and it's like ah I might eat you or something like that. Like it's like a very dark anime kind of thing like spawnish i guess like spawns maybe like a good touch point there um and there's a lot of um stuff between them without getting into like too much detail um what series or what are your thoughts and then uh what series would you like to hear about the cast of next um let's see i think that um my other one aside from that would be uh, Kamen Rider Kiva. Very curious about that one also. Kamen Rider Kiva. So Kamen Rider Kiva hmm. Kamen Rider Kiva has separate casts based on location. Um, so on one hand you have Wadrukur and I who is this anxious boy who uh, like, like an anxious young adult. Like He's like between 17 and 21 that area like a vague I'm a current model actor dude. Uh, <laughs> he is 
living in this big mansion, um, trying to find ingredients, and like he only goes outside like super bundled up because like he's worried about like being allergic to the, the, the to like other people, and he is going outside to try and find ingredients to uh, make the perfect violin varnish to uh, surpass his father's. We've uh, all been there, yeah. Yeah. He has Kivat, who is his bat friend slash transformation device, who is uh, this very upbeat, like, loves violin history bat who takes baths with him and stuff. They just, like, hang out before um, they meet Megumi, who is a uh, a local model slash monster hunter. And that is revealed later. And she basically, like, um, gets her food stolen by Wataru and is like, okay, what are you doing? You can't steal my food because it, like, might make good, might make a good varnish. And then, like, unmasks him and sees that he's not actually, like, allergic to stuff. And that, like, he's, he's like, kind of cute. Basically, like, insists that he hang out sometimes, not just, like, be at home. Then the other cast is his father, who is a big womanizer um, and hangs out with her mother where basically he her mother grabs him and makes out with him to avoid being killed by some monsters that are like trying to find him and like the classical movie thing of let's make out so they don't think that they don't think we're the person they followed basically and then he's like oh let's make out more she's like no and then he just like are you sure? And then a monster shows up. He's like, oh shit, monsters are real. <laughs> oh fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they go to, to that same coffee shop. Um, and there's a little a linchpin detail there that uh is that this series takes place in two timelines, 2008 and 1986. So their parents meet, and that takes place in 1986. And the 2008 timeline is like that. 22 years later situation there. Uh, and yeah. Oh, fun. So, last two series, uh, what what series would you like to hear the characters? Go with Denno. Commander Denno um, <laughs> comes out the year before Kiva. So there was, when Kiva came out, there were some complaints, because we were like, hey, this guy's anxious too, but another anxious boy. Uh, he we're is, all anxious for life. He is not a recluse. He's he's just very unlucky and very timid. Um, he works in a coffee shop with his sister. Um, he's upset because his main struggle, I guess, is that um, his sister's dealing with trauma, but she doesn't seem to remember it. And he's just trying to like put everything on hold to help her with that. But she doesn't seem to remember it, but she does seem affected by it. Um, he randomly finds a like train pass and goes to turn it in. But when he goes through the door, um, he finds himself in a in time. And because he was holding that pass while well, open that door, the door to uh, the um, train of time denliner like opens. Um, he accidentally makes a contract with a demon. Um, and finds out that he is a singularity point for someone who is not affected by changes in the timeline. Uh, so 
he tries to fight as Kamen Rider Deno and gets his ass kicked. Then he lets the demon possess him and fight as Kamen Rider Deno. And then that leaves Gonsensei Akiba Ranger, which is uh, the only real comedy of these series. But uh, the basic thing there is that um, there are three main rangers. There is Nobu, the Red Ranger, um, Mitsuki, the Blue Ranger, and Yumiria, the Yellow Ranger. Um, the focus more becomes onto Nobu because he's the only guy and like also like being the red ranger so that happens mm-hmm. but um he is a 29 year old delivery driver who's just too into super sentai and like likes it too much and too much of a nerd and uh can't help like stopping by like the like super sentai like um cafe and stuff and just uh too much um mitsuki is a um high school student who's very into martial arts and then Yumiria is a very repressed is the repressed is the wrong word because she does her stuff but she's basically like an office lady by day and then on her days off or by night she like goes into like Akibara and cosplays like really hardcore and hangs out like she like uh the most iconic one is that like she starts the series cosplaying as a cat and like will set up like a cat toy and like take pictures of herself, like, batting that toy and stuff, and like, be like, oh, this is so much fun. Uh, and then the, uh, <laughs> doctor that runs the Super Sentai Cafe is like, hey, if you use the power of your delusion, you can, um, become a, like, Super Sentai team. <laughs> and they all do for their own reasons. And they fight, um, the blatantly evil marketing form B, which is just a, like, marketing firm that's trying to take over and like make corporate the whole like that whole part of the city and trying to like uh have schemes basically to like take advantage of nerds and yeah so what is the first of our series that makes it to the finals then um yeah no i'm definitely very excited to look at kiva because i've already seen these and i've kind of seen what can happen so yeah i'm i'm very stoked to see uh kiva and kind of um what can happen if we put our brains to that series and see what plays out so between tamarner deno Aki rager and garo let's each pick which one we would like to talk about in the finals next time cool what one yeah would you i'm want gonna to go with akiva still okay so Kiva and Akiba Ranger? Yes. I say Deno. So between Deno and Akiba Ranger, this is a tough pick. What are your thoughts on why we should pick Akiba Ranger over like Deno? I want something that's a little bit easier to fall into, honestly. Like, I, I like a series where I can watch it and I know what's going to happen and I kind of like fall into this very relaxing place with like the camera work and what everybody's going to do. I don't want mid season surprises. I'm not that type of person. So I kind of feel like Akiva is going to give me a little bit more of that than any other series would. I really like I really like both Deno and Kiva. I like Deno more, but I know that Kiva is spooky season. And also it's maybe one that I think 
might have more to offer on a rewatch just because it's not as popular as like Deno. Like Deno still having movies coming out, you know? Like I think like there's a fun vibe to both shows as far as like it's gonna be Halloween season. It's gonna be like kind of spooky too. So I think like uh we could make that work on like Kiva and Akiva Ranger. These are all nice. like good shows. That's our finals for next time. Um that is Hikoto Sentai, Akiba Ranger, and Comrade Akiba. That is our finals. Oh, okay. So, how are you doing, Steph? I will say once again that I absolutely adore you. I think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. Absolutely do not adore the fact that I got left on a cliffhanger with this last series of episodes. And I know that it would be very easy for everyone to jump into my DMs and be like, well, why don't you just watch the series to the ending then? Okay, I did that with Kuga, and I found out that I am not very great at like keeping track of what happened in what each episode. So I try very hard now to do what I'm supposed to do and only watch specific episodes, but... It's hard. Not a fan. Not a fan of this at all. Uh, let's look at the next chunk of what we looked at then with 39 year beginning. It's just the part two of what happened here. Um, Ibuki tries to talk to Akira at train crossing, but can't. Um, Kiraya rescues Ibuki. Hiroki gets like drunk off soup and asks, they're not going to punch him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually made a note about that. Him getting drunk off soup. That was incredible. He had like 30 bowls of soup and got drunk, which is like relatable to a lot of people that have like had family holidays, I guess. Just uh, but um, we see that Midori and the like, Asumu escape the cave they're being held in as heavy rest in the shop. Uh, we see Petro for the first time forever. Um, and then um, Kariah sneaks into the shop and falls down a chute. He's afraid of. The dark finds Midori's lab. Um, Midori talks about Teen Hibiki. Um, and Todoroki gets his resolve and runs the battle. Um, he gets um, hurt after talking about being a lion in a ravine. Kazabuki shows up. Um, then Kuraya tries to transform but hurts himself. And it rains. Um, as Hira meets a like wounded Kabuki. And Zanki meets wounded Todoroki. So much um, rain. So much rain. And then um, Jiraiya talks to Hibiki about why he wants to be an Ani. As Hibiki makes a save in a white jacket and Asumu finds the aura needed to uh, destroy the Maka. This is a weird episode. I really felt the shift into drama here. There's so much drama. Like everybody's so upset. Like everyone's talking. It's like this is the nice show about people being nice at like gas stations and grocery stores. Now it's drama. I think the part that upset me the most was how much the camera work shifted. So all of a sudden we went from watching something that was kind of like movie style quality to something that was like fucking um rescue 911 or any of those uh, like 90s reality shows like it was too stark it wasn't playing off of what had been such a calm thing about this series up to this point yeah i um like the soap opera stuff 
in other series, but here it just feels so weird in comparison to what it was doing. Like, just it feels show me forced. nature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like even with Zanki, like he is a very emotional character. He always has been, but for these couple of episodes to turn him into this like soap opera villain where he was like suddenly smacking people out of nowhere and like being overly emotional like it just it felt so fucking on a inauthentic it was just weird it was a weird space to occupy he became so spiteful and it's just not him before this point right like he's always been more serious than any of the excuse me, any of the other, like, heroes we've had at this point, but he's never been, like, spiteful. So the fact that they suddenly decided to take his character in that direction was just very bizarre. It was a very, like, I put in my notes, like, a very soap operatic thing to do. Like, all of a sudden, he's this guy who has no control over his emotions, and it just, it didn't feel right. And it's so rainy in Tokyo. Like every time somebody's sad, it rains. It's yeah. Really there weird. was a lot of really heavy-handed metaphors, which I hated because I like a good, like decent, like kind of in the background metaphor. But for them to just be like, "Oh yeah, only the good guys wear white," I was like, "Come the fuck on!" Like we can't keep doing this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think too that um, you just. If you're going to not have subtext, do it for cool reasons. Exactly. Don't do it for all of a sudden we're going to be like fucking young and restless. Like make it something like that makes sense with the storyline. But I don't know. I kind of felt like with the past couple of episodes, that's kind of something they've been missing anyway. So I might have a more cynical opinion on that anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um. Let's look at episode 40. Um. Sure. Mochi and like Asumu talk about Hippie calling him by his name. Hiraya was absent from school but reveals he was just bored. Um, Akira meets to have coffee and discuss the concerns that Asumu has. Um, he um, has some good advice but also there's some toxic masculinity from his mom when he goes bang bang and then goes to see Hibiki. Uh Hiraya is Rejected and Todoroki fights a weird forest. Kipki calls Asmu boy and says, Stay as you are, um, as the three Ani fight the forest. Um, then Kipki talks about why he doesn't have an apprentice with um, Kibuki pushing Kipki on being scared and Todoroki being awkward in the background. Um, then a bunch of people talk more about stuff. As the forest moves and the parents look on, and they're scared because Orochi's drawing near, which is beyond their power, which is interesting. I wish we got more on that. Um, it's called the Kodama Forest. Um, Shiraya tries um, with Todoroki and Ibuki to become an apprentice, and Todoroki is almost flattered enough in, to do it. Um, and then he asks Akira, who accepts. And then, um, so just Asumu, um, and, uh, then she gets called by Kanaka, who wants to give a message to Ibuki to not enter the forest. And the episode ends with a cliffhanger, but I'll get 
Putnam in it. Just like this episode was just such a let's have people talk about stuff. Like just there's so many conversations and, and people being dramatic and withholding and not talking to each other that really wasn't right. present before this whole like production change, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a weird episode. Um and like it's like, oh, we see we see Asumu's mom for the first time forever. And it's just to tell him to be more assertive. I will have to say though that um she doesn't always play the greatest role, but his mom, I mean, she's a fucking champ. She yeah. like whatever he decides to do, she's all on board with, no matter what happens in her life, she like tries to smile through it like I mean, she's great. It, God only knows that, you know, fingers crossed, it, most of us wish we could have a mom like that, and she's just 100% on top of it. She quite literally tells him, it's not that I don't have expectations of you, I'm just saying, whatever you decide to do, I'm behind it. And, I mean, that's a really big deal. Like, most kids don't get that, so he's got a pretty kick-ass mom. I do hate how she's gotten less focus, like with the show shift. It's like, oh, let's make sure that this show is more about the dudes and the drama and the relationships and the romance. And like, it's weird. Like, I just like wish that we were back to there's a bunch of old people talking about stuff and like everyone's smiling and be like, oh, these kids are great. Like, they'll do fine. And not like hating these kids and like trying to like trick them and make them do what they want. And just it's really obvious with like certain characters like you know yeah no i'm with you and i think that one of the reasons that that's kind of like more obvious with her is because she always was kind of an obvious character to begin with like she you know looked at her son's friends and she was like oh these guys are really cute these guys aren't but whatever like she had this very like specific version of dudes that she thought were you know cute and worth her time and people that may or not be like kind of um people who would be influential for her son but you know she was kind of looking out for her own interests for a lot of the part but she just like akira kind of became someone that faded into the background when they decided yeah. they were going to take it this whole new direction and now all of a sudden it's all about the guy characters, which, I mean, fine. I mean, it's actually a really great show. I'm not going to, like, bag on any of the characters, but they also had a lot of really strong female leads that they could have put yeah. into certain positions, especially his mom, and they just decided not to for whatever it really hurts because, like, Kasumi and Hinaka have definitely taken the backseat, unless it's with relationship drama. And, like, they weren't main characters, but they were, like, side characters, and it mattered what they thought. They were, like, important pieces to, like, the unit that was, like, the organization and, like, dealing with stuff. But they just got featured less and less. And, like, I think it really mm-hmm. hurts with, like, Akira being, like, mishandled, where it's like, okay, you were, like, the linchpin, like, just this show started out and it's like, oh, they might not be the main characters or the focus, but there's a lot of female characters and they're consistent and they're like, have their own stuff they're worried about. And just, I think it's the, all about relationships now. The part that hurt me the most was because Akira and, you know, you can chalk it up to her age or her maturity level or whatever. 
she was never one of the characters that like had her entire future planned around any of these dudes. She very much like she had her own motivations. She had her own ways of study. Like she had so many things going for her. And, you know, even with um, Shuki, like when they went off on that, like kind of very small side tangent and she decided that was who she was going to model herself after. It was such a small storyline when it could have been such a big, interesting one. And then to just kind of like play through that and then kind of have Shiki have her moment as very uninteresting and as very like anticlimactic as it was to suddenly just be like, oh, no, now she's back to being a book as a apprentice. And then like two seconds later, yeah, I'm not going to be an Oni. You quite literally could have been the best Oni out of everybody in this entire catalog and now you don't want to do it anymore like uh yeah and that even just, gets like more in a second but uh. yeah I, i'm with you though it it feels like the world's worst fucking cop out like it, it uh it just I mean, it hurt my heart so bad there's so much stuff where like i'm so mixed because i do think that it's interesting to choose not to be an Ani, and I really do want to have that conversation with these characters, and like be oh, like, yeah. with her and Asamu, like if they choose or do not choose to be Ani's, that's interesting. And I don't necessarily think her choice is wrong, but like it's just there's so much stuff where I'm second guessing, like the way that she like gets coffee to hear about his problems, like their lifelong friends or their like exes after almost getting married or something. It's like I was like, is this consistent with her character or not? Like, it's interesting, but, like, she's just, part of me was like, you remembered when you were, like, <laughs> she used to interact with him based on the fact that he was her connection to being normal and was just pleasant. Mm-hmm. And now it's just drama about Ani shit, you know? I think that's the hardest part for me, too, and especially, like, because over He's not these, even pleasant anymore. Well, he's pleasant. These past couple of episodes, you kind of, like, watch her relationship with Ibuki deteriorate and you're like, but there's no reason for that. Honestly, like he probably isn't the best Oni that you've ever seen, but he really has consistently throughout the series tried his best to take care of her and vice versa. So the fact that now they suddenly have like this very, um, it feels like fabricated drama between them. It's just like, why? There's no reason for that to have occurred. Like, they have a very real mutual respect for each other. Why would this suddenly be something that popped up? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's drama. Has to happen. Drama has to be there. Has to, like, hit the quota. Like, there are other shows where it's, like, drama, but the Kamen Rider show has been drama all 30 episodes, so it's five episode 31, more drama happens just feels like right just fan fiction almost sometimes right and i think that that's probably one of the biggest issues i've had with this series of episodes that we've watched recently is just the fact that i get drama like honestly i do i don't watch a lot of tv but i understand like when you come to a certain point you have to have some kind of like conflict but so much of this feels so 
heavily fabricated, like, for no reason. I mean, there are a lot of, like, really good storylines that you could touch on. And you could honestly, like, play off of those. But, you know, for these past three or four, it just feels like it's just, uh, you know, what can we grab out of the air? And that sucks. And also, like, in the previous Carpenter shows that, like, public post shows that, like, have a big focus on the drama of it all, they, like, at least, like, if their aim is to have, like, boys punching each other, like, crying in rivers, like, they set up, like, reasons with the characters and the situations and, like, what they're dealing with materially to, like, come to the drama. It's like, oh, shit, like, we're in this contest where, like, we have to kill each other. Of course there's drama. Versus, like, we're part of an, like, organization that works together. And, like, we're, like, it's not the same as, like, just, like, being added onto this thing or, like, replacing what was, like, a pre-existing relationship. It's just dumb. I think that's the worst part, though, because especially with Akira, because she is such a strong character on her own, there are so many ways that you could have, like tried to introduce and not even the Oni, it's like these boys like Kira and, and, and Somo, you could have like placed them into her life in ways that would have made her like second guess everything she's been doing so far. But she has yeah. always been a very strong, very independent character. So there really wasn't a reason to kind of bring anything else in. But because they got to this point where they were like, well, we need to, like, manufacture some, you know, young and restless shit. They start bringing in all these things that were not true to really anybody's characters. So it was just it was very hard to deal with because especially, you know, being a a female who loves other females like having finally a strong female representation and then having her like succumb to that yeah. kind of dystopian like story idea that almost all females do. It was just like, God damn, come on, man. It just sucks too. Cause like we were very hyper fixated. I think on a cure, n- not like not in were- an, yeah, inappropriate way, but yes, we were hyper fixated on her because she was going to be the one that saved it. We weren't hyperfixated. We were fixated on her as a character that we felt like was being, was dealing with what a 14 year old girl would deal with in life as those struggles were represented by becoming an Ani and by dealing with these problems. And she like, sure. likes a boy, but she also has like her career path that she has to like, like Cobb Rider could have been getting into nasa like for like right. how much it was like it's like that's what it was it's like oh am i going to continue this but this um and then it turned into the story to like the writing was doing that to her like the story was like oh what if she has to deal with being a 14 year old girl in a world where that sucks to the writing being like she's a 14 year old girl that sucks like and i and like i don't I just wanted her to like struggle with stuff, but like, and maybe come to her own conclusions, but that to be honest and like the show to have sympathy for her. And I feel like the show is much more like, okay, now she's good. And and, like, they even had drama, like the whole like love triangle with like her and Mochi and like Asabu and then 
like I guess it like wasn't a triangle because like the girls didn't have like that much sparks, but they kind of did. But uh, you know, I don't know. No, I'm with you, and I feel like I think that that's why I'm like so. I don't want to say angry because that sounds much more forceful than it is. I'm so disappointed in that storyline because she started out having so much potential. Like she was going to be the first female Oni and she was going to rock it because she is so studious and she is so intelligent and she was going to do all of this. And it wouldn't have mattered whether Osman decided yeah. he was going to be with her or not. Like she was going to have her own storyline. And then all of a sudden it felt like that kind of like got ripped away from us. Like, you know, fuck it. She's not going to have anything unless these other people in her life give her permission to do it. And then, you know, she kind of like canceled on it last minute. I will say this though. Um, Sometimes I think when dealing with any kind of representation in media, especially media that's not modern, um, we sometimes eat more than is on our plate. So I think to some degree, maybe we looked too much into a 2007 or 2006 Japanese series about live action special effects, and like going in the woods and drumming stuff for like a nuanced take on like a female 14 year old character who's like trying to deal with like being taken advantage by the world and like capitalism and living and it's hard, but like, I'm sure like some amount of that is us project wanting and seeing more, but also it yeah. just sucks. Cause it did seem like at least they were going to make good on something interesting and honest. Like even if it's mm-hmm. honest that it's fucked up, it doesn't seven to be a 14 year old Japanese girl, with no parents like, you know, but still, um, it, it sucks and like it's hard because like we don't know and right it's almost becomes like a bigger what if because the show got so fucked up where it's like maybe this happens just it's slightly better and more honest but it, like the same stuff still happens in like the original vision but it's hard yeah um, no i get you i i 100 see where you're coming from and i agree with you like if you asked me in 2007 to analyze where I am now in 2021 be a completely different lens. Like I have learned and grown a lot since then. So yeah, you're 100% right. It just sucks. It sucks because they had that opportunity to do something really revolutionary and kind of like take a step back from it. So yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a part of me that says that sucks, but there's also the part of me that remembers living in 2007 and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, that fits. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the last two episodes, super quick, I want to like talk about the other piece of media, which is the Kamen Rider Hibiki Hyper Battle video called Awesome We Transform. You could be oh, an wow. Audi too. Do we this have is... to? Okay. Yeah. We don't have to talk. <laughs> too much you want to just like what's your what did you think while watching this stuff my um my first thoughts on that video were it reminded me of like um if you've ever watched those 80s montages with training um it was like that without the cool music to go along with but i mean it wasn't terrible like my initial impressions of it weren't great 
but I started to like kind of get into it and I started to really try to follow along with awesome when I was like okay well I could yeah. kind of see where this is something that would rip people in like I get it I think it's just the kind of thing where this is a DVD special that comes with a magazine every year and every writer gets them they're nothing burgers of like a little fun maybe like hey like gift mates like gets me out of it um yeah for sure yeah i liked it um as that i did like too how um who was it was it comrade danky or comrade tabaki who we see get killed in the episode before this like episode like 39 like he gets killed by like the makabo before like the main character show up and also in this hyper battle video he's also getting his ass kicked before like Asuka <laughs> shows up and like, okay fuck dude you've really jobbed out uh but no um yeah that's a fun little thing though um that's it for outside of the series stuff for the show there's the movie there's this and then the, and then there's the series um well, it's a cute little interlude i can't i cannot fault them for that yeah it's probably exciting to get like a dvd with the may issue of a magazine and be like oh cool this happened <laughs> uh but yeah um so for our last two episodes let's start with awakening teacher and student um akira transformed into an ani at least partially last time to help rescue Todoroki and Ibuki. Um, I think Hibiki's there too, actually. But um, she gets defeated by the forest and knocked out and is naked at the forest because, you know, why not? Um, and then the adults told the kids about how dangerous it is and how feelings are enough. But Hasmilu, um, um, he actually, like, agrees with Raya that, that they are and that the adults aren't quick enough. Then uh, the Ani find out that like Roshi is coming, including a paper butterfly um, that leads Hichiro to talking to the doctor parents, like the brewer parents, the ones who've made everything. I'm not sure. Um, and then um, Hibiki meets, meets uh, with the boys as Akira Kabuki talks, um, including some fun as the boys uh, try and pose and try on Kabuki's glasses, um, and Kabuki tries to get here to talk to him. Um, in the forest, they, the boys save Kasumi and find the tree, um, and it is destroyed by Hibiki, and then Akira officially retires from being an Ani. So, yeah, let's start here first because this is like like the Invenar. We've talked about this through, but <laughs> I like the idea of Akira not becoming an Ani after the dude that worked at the like water park and stuff, but I just I'm not sure here. Something feels off about it. I feel like something feels off about it because she's um very much coddling these two boys that she knows are um very i don't want to say insignificant because that doesn't feel right um she's coddling these two boys that she knows are not ready to be at her level but at the same time she is 
very desperately trying to get them to that point. Um, so it's not overall a great showing, but she is doing her best to try and get people to where she is because she believes in them in some capacity. Yeah, I just, I kind of like her doing this. I, there's something very forlorn about realizing that this is the only option that she's known since her parents died and she's forgoing it to be normal, whatever that means, whatever situation that puts her in, we don't know. Maybe she still has a house and has like the money that she needs to like be all right as she finishes like growing up and like going to school and stuff. I'm not sure, but I do really just, there's something to her like wanting to have these last moments as like passing the torch a little bit to somebody who is, if you're going to enter this world as I'm leaving it, maybe I can give something to you. Like, is we get the sense that like, she knows she's leaving the Ani world, but still like, I just kind of like, ah, I don't know. I do wish that she at least like grab something for herself. If she said like, maybe it's she makes a friend with an old lady in the park. Maybe it's she gets a part-time job. Maybe it's she tells Hasumi that she likes it. Maybe she joins like another club or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to see her grab something in life a little bit. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? no. I was in the exact same position, and especially because I was waiting for, especially because of the fact that she endorsed those two fucking idiots, I was waiting for her to kind of do something that was, I don't know, kind of like selfish or centric or, or however you want to phrase that. But you're right, she never really does. Like, she kind of takes the space that she knew that only she could operate, and she takes on these two fucking morons and she's like, okay, well, you're going to have to learn to be a hell of a lot more patient than you are and kind of tries to like work with them. I don't know. I'm, I'm in the same space you are. Like, I wish she had grabbed something for herself, but on the other hand, like as far as the show goes, I could understand why they didn't really put her in that space. They just wanted, you know, these two numbskulls to, kind of like figure out their own play it would be so stupid but even if she joined the cheerleading club which would be so on the nose and terrible but at least it was would be her like being friends with mochi you know and like doing something with her like just i think that that's probably one of the only reasons that they were like trying to wrap up her character was because they had had this ongoing tension between her and mochi for so long um, so probably just being able to kind of write her character off and complete was them being able to say, oh, well, now Asmo can absolutely freely portray or freely, you know, run after our cheerleader character. And it's just like, God damn, like there were so many ways you could have gone with this. And this is what you chose. OK, where we're we going now. There's a couple bright spots, though. One is that they don't really further the romance subplot with him and Mochi or end it with him and Akira. And two, she's actually still around next episode after she retires. I was like, oh, that's oh, really nice. Yeah, like she's in episode 42. 
uh like briefly at like at the like beginning she's like around enough i like maybe they have her having that moment where she's like oh i wrote a best-selling novel and i killed a vampire i was like wait what yeah it was really cool it was way cooler than all your adventures yeah. also me and moshi kissed sorry asabu you're fucked I don't know, but uh, I'm sorry. But after those last couple episodes, me and Midori totally hooked up. I'm I'm just saying she ripped off that lab coat, and I was like, yes, plays more of that. Midori's like 34. She's like 14. That's not good. I'm 37, and she's 34. I feel like this works out perfectly. Oh, I thought you were saying that you were a Kira. No, 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 no. Just just oh, me no. and Midori. We're we're fine. I too. There's the modern part of me. It's like, oh, Asubu and the two girls should just be like a thruple and like be like, oh, cool. Let's like. They should. Yeah. They should be more very open minded about how life can work. Like for me, I was like, oh, when the girls are like giggling about how confused he is that they're both near each other and being cute. Like that's that's how that works. But. uh, uh one hundred percent. And uh, the last four episodes uh, is is uh, the start of an arc and the first half of it with ferocious demons. Um, Buki and his uh, um, talks to his new apprentices. Akira seems happy. Um, Kibuki, um, Kibuki talk. Um, Kibuki and Zanki fight a horde of bad match flying Makamo as Roshi is here. Kipki contemplates eventually trimming his apprentice to one Ani based off nothing really as the boys wonder why they haven't started trading yet. The kids attack Buki and Barokia before the brother collapses to missing feeding time. Um, and the boys start training going upstairs and such. Todoroki asks Hinaka to go to a hot spring and she's like let's fuck and he says oh no it's a day trip. And then, and then, then she says, oh, no, quit thinking dirty thoughts. Like, he says, oh, we should go on vacation together like to a hot spring. And she's like, yeah, go, yeah, fuck, let's go. Like, I've been working on some stuff. Like, let's fuck. He's like, oh, no, uh, um, I don't want your dad not to like me. So let's not go to a hot spring and fuck. She's like, no, let's go fuck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, the training's not going well for because he's not athletic and like keeps and keeps saying that like gotten sprains. Hippie has a wild powder blue jacket on um, and then the Makamos start coming up and there are tons of them of various types and in the final battle of the episode versus um, like so, so many kinds it's like oh like, like it's uh one is um Hippie in the park versus like a bunch of of like summer variants and ones like there's like an Odoroshi there there's like lots of flying ones there um Todoroki gets stomped and is near death half in the dirt uh yeah I like they do much better with Todoroki when he's naked than they do with randomly having the 14 year old girl in the woods naked last episode <laughs> but uh yeah he is on death's door as we had this episode oh. I will say that in um, this past uh, series of episodes that we've had, there is a um, very 
small part where he is looking, he's just like kind of looking at uh, mall shops as he walks past. And there is uh, one small part where he sees a wedding dress and he says, oh, Hernaka would look great in that. Yeah. And I absolutely like it. Even if I hadn't been before, I fell in love with him in that just like little uh, mind venture that he had there just because it was so fucking adorable. Like he saw this wedding dress and he thought of the woman he loved and he thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And like that led him to like making his future plans. But there were a lot of things about like that kind of whole um, give and take through that arc where you were just like, what is happening here? And I went through that a lot because I'm a very big fan of Zanke, but just the fact that he was kind of like going through his own soap opera melodrama and the fact that he was pushing it out onto all of these people, including Todoroki, that he wasn't just communicating with. That was a very difficult arc to watch because you kind of just saw everybody going through their own very, like, deeply personal issues at that point. And just to juxtapose that with how before they were all going through their struggles, but, like, very communicative, very supportive, and then, like, all of a sudden it changes. It's almost, like, funny because you just made to realize that Todoroki's character hasn't changed. He's just very confused with why everyone's so mean now. Exactly, yeah. Like um, and one of my things that I wrote was, and this is before they said it on the show, I actually had to adjust my notes, but one of the things that I said was, did he really just get junk, drunk off of curry? Like, because he ate like 13 bowls of it back to back. And they pointed out in the show that it was like red bean soup. But I was just like, but still, he got drunk off of food. Like, nobody does that. That is amazing. I, I've i heard of the meat sweats before, which is when you have so much meat that you sweat. But I've never heard of, like, the soup drunk. I have to, but he was, like, fucking, like, he was plastered <laughs> drunk. Like, he was, like, how I feel if I've gone to the bar for, like, six hours. He was out of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but I would honestly be interested in, like, of all the characters in, like, Hibiki to, like, invite to a party, um, assuming we can't fuck, it's it's not Midori, then it's probably, like, Todoroki, because he'd just, like, do some wild shit, like, I had a friend who would, like, uh, grab, what are they called, like, the barriers that come down at parking lots, like, the, like, wooden lines, He'd break those off and like throw them a lot. <laughs> that would be totally. I can't exactly relate to that, but I will say if I was a straight girl looking for a straight crush, then Toto would 100% be it. Like that would be the man that I was like, oh yeah, can't stand to have a man who isn't just like fucking clowning 24 hours a day. Like he, he would be it. He's just, He's such a sweetheart in such a very innocent way. Like, I love that about him. Um, and I love the Just fact give him that edible, he'd go wild. Exactly. 
But just the fact that, like, even when he's, like, kind of doing his very manic thing like he tends to do, like, he always is thinking of the woman he loves. Like, he's constantly thinking of, man, she'd look amazing in that wedding dress. Which is something that, like, for the most part, you aren't expecting most men to be thinking about. But just the fact that, to him, that's a perfectly natural train of thought. Even if everything after that is completely fucking bonkers, like he's waiting for his master to punch him in the face, like, okay, whatever. But (laughs) it's just very sweet that he has very specific lines of thought, even if for the most part, he's just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? I mean, um, we could both play this game actually really quick, but like, assuming that all things are oriented to your preferred a partner gender i guess yeah like um fuck mary killed the three riders hibiki oh. like a buki todoroki okay shit um i'll answer this too because we're both making them women so it's the same thing but uh just yeah hard to think okay man that's hard um I've, okay i i hmm. hate to say it but <gasps> i think i know what you're gonna say hurts my feelings but Unfortunately, Ibuki would have to be Kill. Um, Buck would have to be Hibiki. And then Mary would have to be Todoki. Okay. Love that guy. Here's what I'm going to say. Based off... um, Having been engaged carnally with these types of women before, I'm going to say that I'm probably going to kill Hibiki of... I'm also probably understandable. I I'm probably gonna fuck Todoroki and marry Ibuki. Also understandable. I, I honestly like there was no wrong answer for me in that entire thing. Yeah, sometimes just get uh, my problem with I'm just not aligned. I could not kill or marry a Todoroki. Is the problem. You know? The only reason that I would say that I could is because I naturally like to laugh at everything. So having a partner that is constantly making jokes, that is perfect for me. But, I mean, if you'd thrown Zanky into the mix, we would have had a lot tougher decision. Well, Zanky needs two people with. And, like, there's a lot of younger characters on the show, so I won't include them. But between, like, what, like, Zanky, Shuki, Kabuki... What do you think there? Did that change things uh, up? Zanki would be marriage 100%. Um, okay. Odo would have to be um, fuck, and then kill would be whoever you said the other person was. I'd probably fuck Shuki, kill Kabuki from the movie, and marry Zanki, yeah. Oh no, are we talking about the movie too? Oh, yeah. Puts me on a whole nother bracket. I can't even deal with this drama. So... <laughs> that's all right. We'll uh, get that for another time. But that's a whole six episodes of Camera to Hibiki. It's a whole lot. That'll process. be a bonus episode. We'll be fine. It's yeah, fine. like a special. Um, at some point after we finished looking at Hibiki, maybe like a month or two down the line, I really do want to look at. I hadn't seen Hibiki before now, but I had seen the tribute episodes. One mm-hmm. that comes out like three or four years after Hibiki, and one that comes out like a 2020 2019 um in like the anniversary seasons i think they will be interesting because they do get cast back for those shows i'm very oh, intrigued yes 
some canon, some not canon, but they do get cast back for those shows, and it's strange to, to look at, I think. But, um, yeah. But we have a couple questions asked on the way out of this show, and that is, who are our top three favorite characters? So, Steph, who are your top three favorite characters this week? Um, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to preface it with a question. Is it okay if I do repeats on a couple of them? Three what? Repeats on a couple of the characters. Yeah, that's fine. Excuse me. Good. Because uh, Midori, I know that I have set her before, but the fact that she fucking kicked a monster in the face. Oh, God. She's amazing. Um, mm. Zanki, just because I loved his story arc with this very, like, soap opera melodrama that he had the past couple episodes. Just, like, slapping bitches around. He didn't give a fuck. Um, and Shuki just, I mm. felt like she had just such a small character arc, but it's something that could have been much bigger. So those are probably going to be my, my big three for characters. Um, and as far as monsters go, uh, the Kodoma of the Kodoma's forest. That was a cool time I, we never talked about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, that was... Like, I say like oh like you're right like we didn't talk about like somebody should have not like the like drop my bad well I mean it's it's gonna come up again I feel like um but yeah just the fact that he was so like on top of his shit and he was willing to take out anything that came into his forest yeah that's that's my my monster there it's a great design honestly yeah and honestly like up to this point these last couple episodes, I've been kind of disappointed by the monsters, but this was the first one that I got really super excited about, so. Yeah, um, I like the Yobiko, the crocodile snake monster fine. It it was kind of generic, but with, like, everything going on, it was kind of, like, probably my pick for the monster. He grew um, on me. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, like, um, the episode before, the one that led into the forest one, when you could kind of see like how he'd wrapped people up, yeah, he definitely grew on me at that point. He just wasn't my like grabbed me from the beginning one. Um, I think for my MVPs, I'm gonna say for what Midori's in there, definitely. Um, I feel like I like Shuki a lot, definitely underserved, Ugh, and just a rough time for characters this time, I guess, huh? Um, I guess it really was. I guess Asamu's mom. He's pretty good. Yeah, she always deserves an MPB on. Yeah, so that's my pick there. Uh, you know, because I love. Whoops. Sorry, I couldn't finish like that thought. I felt like honey silly for uh, being too much. No, but, I get uh, it. I mean, she. I actually have a, a note in my notes. It's like, could his mom get any cooler? Like, she is the mom of moms. She quite literally tells him, be whatever you want to be. I don't care. I'm going to be proud of you. Isn't that what we're all aspiring to? Yeah, like, there's nothing she could do more right now than just, like, be, like, a badass human. Exactly. Um, What was your favorite outfit of these episodes? Do you have one that, like, stood out to you? I, oh, man. That's a really hard decision, but as much as I am 
not a fan in the long term. I have to go with when Akira gets to transpose into an Oni. Like, her outfit really kicked ass. She could have made a really badass Oni if she decided to stick with it. I think I liked Hibiki's weird blue jacket. It was a lot. It didn't quite work, but it was very nineties. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. But damn with that, I have to ask Steph, uh, who is your daddy and what does he do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to, um, counter your question with another question. If you were an Oni, where would you uh, carry your whistle? I have a very specific answer in mind for mine, but I'd love to hear what you had to say. Well, obviously, answers in my ass. But if I need another of answer, of course. Well, my answer was just like based off of what we have to work with. Uh, Toto carrying his on his uh, leather uh, wristband. I feel like that's probably what I would do. But I don't know. In my ass is another really good one. I might um have like what's that thing that people uh put on their chest to carry a baby? What's that called? A Bjorn? Ah, so I'd have it in like a baby Bjorn on my chest cuz I'm all about that uh that Swedish efficiency? No, that uh whistle baby, whistle whatever that bad song was from 3 years five, eleven however many adults are still alive no, you got that song. You got it. You're fine. <laughs> well, no. Uh no, um I would pull like an Oregon trail and I would have like no room for food or maps or seeing in my car or like disc animals. Like I just have like one big like pipe organ that I'd like bring to fight like the like Makabo. That'd be yeah. me. Yeah. And they'd be and, like, what happened with Kip? And I'd be like, he held his whistle exactly where he wanted to, and I have to admire his strength of character for doing that. It would be like in Jackass, like, when they would, like, x-ray me and see, like, a whole toy car in my rectum. And be like, oh. And I feel like I'd be the one at the back that's like, don't kink shame him. He's fine. I really can't think of a better place to hold a whistle than maybe behind my ear either behind my ear or like in a pouch or in the most pouch I have which is my ass and a pouch in your ass is absolutely the best place to hold anything I feel like or I'd get a whistle that telescopes and can just like be on a necklace and then extend I guess and still hold it in your ass yeah that's fine it's fine I mean my transformation device (laughs) would be the fruit beans because you know what they say about that song. But no. Uh, for right now, though, Steph. <laughs> when you're not holding whistles in your ass, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on um, Twitter at hat underscore sis. Um, eventually, you're going to be able to find me on uh, www.arcademilitia.com. We're still working on the website. We are both um, very ADHD compromised, so we are slowly making our way towards an actual product, but we'll get there eventually. Um, Aside from that, yeah, you can find me here talking to Kip about where we hide our whistles. Yeah, you can find uh, me um, on Twitter.com as James Forge. You can find the podcast at Common Ride With Me on Twitter and Instagram. 
www.comradesweek.com for episodes and articles. If you go to comradesweek.com slash episodes, that will bring you links to each of to uh to each episode to further links for each different platform where podcasts are out there. Links, um, links on links. On links, yeah. You go to comradesweek.com slash merch find our merch which is going through the trevor project if you also want to do a five-star review on apple podcast we would really appreciate that that is a uh, very important to us and there are now some giveaways in in place uh at uh the next threshold which i think is in five or six more um there is somebody getting a progress key from comrade zero one of uh yeah so then uh for us though I'm wondering, I don't know if we learned anything after like all this whistle talk, actually. But I've learned that if you decide to change production companies in the middle of a really, really great series, just don't. So that's what Steph has learned. I've learned that if you're going to put a whistle up your ass, make sure it don't rust. And get some really great lube. Or, or, or a nice don't. Lube. I'm not going to king shame. I mean... I was just gonna like put it in a nice case. That's just me. My butt plug whistle right. case. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, we're all over with tonight, but. Oh, then. 